message will be stolen from Ash, Ashton from last Sunday. <laughs> no, she started something that, that went off on the inside of me, that our journey is from rebellion to religion to relationship or reality. And we all have to go through that process, you know. And so even the way that he unveiled his names as you go through the Old Testament was to get you to a place where you could leave the religion alone and have a relationship. And so that's the message today. But I want to read you something that a rabbi said. I don't know who he was. He was just a rabbi. Somebody's rabbi. And, and it's, it's so right. He said, God has sought to be a part of man's reality from the moment he breathed life into a lump of clay and placed man in Eden. That's it. And, and so even when you read the Old Testament co commandments, they weren't, they, we turned it into religion, but he put it there so that you'd realize you need a relationship with him. You can't do that on your own. And, you, and he never, he, all he was ever after was that relationship. But when man got kicked out of the garden, he had lost his father. And so we still deal with fatherless people today. You can, you can have a father and not have a father. Your heavenly father loves you. Your earthly father might not have even been there. I don't know. But you have a father now. We want to talk about that guy. So let's go to Exodus chapter 2. We'll just begin there. I found out that my job description is to know him and to make him known. And for years I focused, maybe you didn't, but I, you know, you look back over your years as a Christian, and for years I focused about on what Jesus could do for me. And really the focus needs to be, what can I do for, for him? Right? What can I do for him? And the first thing that I can do for him is love people. Not just the people in the church, the people out there. I think Pastor Nancy was talking about that on Thursday night. But I was thinking about after, after we left here Thursday night, I got to tell you, you, you know, I remember one pastor telling me, he said, um, I, I congratulated him. He had 350, 400 people in his church. He said, no, Gary, I only have 40. He said, the rest of them are just there hanging around. And I thought, wow. So then I got thinking about this place. This is not the biggest church that we ever pastored, but it's the best one that we ever pastored because we have a sense of family that we never, ever experienced before. And we're not interested in building a big church. We're interested in just loving on people and loving each other and growing together as a, as a Family, you know, it's interesting that when you read Ephesians chapter 3, he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And you realize that God, all he ever wanted was a family. He put a man and a woman in the garden for the purpose of growing a family. And so he hasn't changed his mind, and we're not going to change ours either. But anyway, in Exodus chapter 2, it says, there was a man of the house of Levi. His name was Amram. You can check that out later on in the Bible in Exodus chapter 6. And he married a woman named, um, what was her name? Amram and Jacobed. Why is that important? Well, it probably isn't. But 
But I just wanted to share that with you so that when we go forward here in Exodus chapter 6, Exodus chapter 6 is where I want to start. Amram and Jochebed, they were both Levites too. I'm sure that there's a significance in that because the tribe of Levi were the only tribe that stepped forward and stood with the Lord, right? So as you are, you step forward and you're standing with the Lord today. You're sitting here today and you've dedicated your life to the Lord today. But more importantly, he's dedicated his life to you today. That you would prosper, that you would be in health even as your soul prospers. His heart's desire is to be your father. A father that you can trust. A father that you can depend on. And when you really trust him, it's like, you know, you, you're, you may be in a wilderness experience right now, but you're going through the wilderness. It's not, it's not your destination. Yeah. See, yeah, but when you trust your father, what you're going through doesn't affect you because you're going to your destination. You have a destiny. Well, I only know part of it, but Jeremiah 29, 11 always speaks to me. I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, hope in a future and a great finish. I want you to finish well. So what's it looking like right now? What's the difference? If you trust your father, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And so that's why he wants us to develop that trust in him, to realize that he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not ever going to be mad at you. He's not disappointed with you. The only time he gets disappointed when we get into works because works are of the flesh. The fruit is like I said about the apple orchard up in the valley. I'm walking through an apple orchard. It was this time of the year and all the apple trees were in blossom. And I heard the Lord say, do you see these apple trees? And of course it was that question. Of course, I'm in an orchard full of them. Of course I can see them. But he said, do you see them struggling trying to produce apples? No, what do they do? They're planted like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf won't wither, and whatever it'll do will prosper. If you're struggling, you're not abiding. I said, if you're struggling, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be done unto you. There's something about abiding. There's something about abiding that works. You know, you can go, well, I got to do this and I got to do that. Well, no, you don't. Your job is to, Hebrews 4.11, to enter into his rest. Religion will tell you you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do the other thing. See, what religion, we simply in, we invented religion because we wanted to go a God that we could control. <laughs> you know, no, no, he's got to fit in this box that I made for him. If he doesn't fit in that box. But see, again, that's, that's only religion. Anyway, are we ever going to get into Ephesians 6? Yes. Yeah, Exodus. Exodus, yeah. I know what I'm doing today. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's good. God told me all I was responsible for is to love you anyway. So I'm not responsible for the message, so I take no credit for it if it's good and no blame for it if it isn't. <laughs> Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moshe, unto Moses, Now shall you see what I will do to Pharaoh. You know, and, and I had a, a person call me from Ontario the other day and said, 
you know, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? I said, he didn't. He finally gave him over to a heart that was already hardened. You can read it. If you read it in the, in the King James, you get the idea that God did it. It's kind of like when, when Uriah touched the Ark of the Covenant to steady it, and the Bible says, and the power of God killed him. No. If, when you read your Bible and you realize when he came down to give the law on the, on the mountain, the rocks split. I mean, there's, when, when that sinless God touches a sinful man, death is a result. <laughs> and that's why he's got to put you in the cleft of the rock. That's why he's got to put you in Christ so that you can be protected. Amen. So, okay, so Pharaoh, with a strong hand, he said he'll let you go. And with a strong hand, he'll drive you out of his land. God spoke unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, God Almighty. But he said, up until now, you haven't known me as Jehovah or Yahweh. Matter of fact, they, they don't even pronounce that name today. They'll, they say Hashem when they're talking about God, Hashem. They'll say the name. That's why when Jesus came in Matthew 6, 9 and said, they said, teach us how to pray, teach us how to pray. He said, all right, our Father short-circuited everybody in the room. They never ever saw him like that. They saw him like, like religious people see him written there. If I could just get my hands on you, I'd wring your little neck. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's what I felt like. I remember when I, was, when I finally did know that there was a God. I guess I always knew, but when I found him, I said, I can't go to church. Some of you said that the church will fall down. He's been hunting me all his life, and I've been running from him all my life. That's why if you're reading through the Bible in a year like we are, you just read about Mephibosheth in Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth means shameful thing. He ran from the presence of the king because he thought the king was going to kill him. The king found him all right, and it scared him bad. But the king brought him on, and he fell down in front of the king and said, I'm a dead dog. God ignored, listen, God ignores that stuff about you. Stop telling him you're no good. You think he makes junk? You're created in his image and his likeness. You think he doesn't know what he's doing? You may be unique, peculiar, unusual. One of a kind, but you are. That's why he said the retina, the, the fingerprint, everything. You're one of a kind. There's nobody else like you, and he doesn't want your version of somebody else. He made you the way he made you. And if there are changes, like Nancy said on Thursday night, it's not about a changed life. It's about an exchanged life. He took your sin. You take his righteousness. You didn't earn that. He didn't earn your sin either. But you're the righteousness of God in Christ now, and there's nothing you can do about it. Live with it. Deal with it, all you. Just, just deal with it. I didn't say it. He said it. 2 Corinthians 5.21. If you don't know where it is, go find it. He said, I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and Jacob by the name of El Shaddai, or God Almighty, but I've never, I've never shown up as Jehovah to you. Jehovah. I am that I am. 
Jehovah, I am whatever you need me to be. It goes on and says, but anyway, he said, I have also established my covenant with them and given them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they are strangers. I have also heard of their groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. And look at this. I've seen you in bondage, but I remembered my covenant. I see you going through difficulties, but I remember my covenant. I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Don't accuse me. I'm not your problem. And if gasoline goes up any higher, if you learn, you know, Pastor Ben Priest calls me on a pretty regular basis, and he has got this place. He said, Gary, always stay over in the spirit. Don't allow circumstances to bring you down into the flesh. Stay over in the spirit because Ephesians 1, 3 is still true. He'll supply all of your needs. He's already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And so, but when I give my mouth against those things, so I have to guard my heart with all diligence out of my heart, out of my mouth, out of my mouth for the issues of my life. So I got to make sure what I'm saying is what he says about me, and not what the circumstances say. Circumstances change. How many of you know that? Yeah. They told me last June I was going to be dead. Well, I'm not 100 right now, but a whole lot better. You know, I see Tiffany. No, I see Tiffany sitting back there. I'm thinking, dear God, it was a month ago she came in here, like all bound up with braces and stuff like that. But you know, you just walk. You walk through things. And you celebrate the whole way through. Psalm Psalm 100 verse 3 says, your passport is praise. So it doesn't matter what's going on. I I just want to take the time here today and give you a praise fit, God. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) You just wait. You just wait. I'm 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 getting ready to run. I can run as fast as you too, Marie, so watch out. So he said, I've remembered my covenant. And then he goes, he goes through the uh, Seder meal right here in the next verse, verse 6. He said, I will bring you out of bondage. <laughs> That's the first cup. That's the cup of sanctification in the, in the Seder meal. He said, I will redeem you. I'll bring you out. Sanctification. I'll rescue you from bondage. Is two, number two, the cap of affliction. Number three is I will redeem you. And that's why, that's why when you do communion, you drink from the third cup, the cup of redemption. And then the fourth cup, he said, I'm not going to drink again until you're with me in my kingdom. And that's completion. I'm going to take you home someday. And where I am, there you may be also. Like, like Nancy said on Thursday night, she hasn't been to heaven. I haven't been to heaven. We've met people that, that have been there. Maybe, maybe not. But I, all I know is I've read the travel brochure. And it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Right? So just when you think it can't get any better... And no, but this is the way you need to think. He's not coming to get us to, so that we can escape just in the nick of time. 
He's not coming to get us until we're ready to take over. I'm telling you, that's read read the Bible. I know that it talks about a great falling away and all that, but you got to read you got to read everything in its context. Hallelujah! He saved the best for the last days, which means what do you think that means? If if you're here and you weren't born here a hundred years ago, that means he put some stuff in you, some stuff that other people didn't get, and he's going to use that stuff. It's like I said to my son one day, oh, by the way, he found the church today, 946 Main. We're quite happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, son. Glad you could join us. Nice to have you visit occasionally. No, no. (laughs) He's my son. I can pick on him if I want to. Amen. Huh? He did. He trashed me while I was away on vacation. (laughs) But but I was talking to him about um, John Lennon's guitar. You know, those of you that don't know John Lennon, he was a Beatle. What's a Beatle? Well, he was a band a thousand years ago. But he had a song called Love Me Do, and he bought a guitar, a Gibson uh, acoustic guitar for 100 bucks or 150 bucks, and he played that one song and then, and, then, and then got rid of it. I think it went in an auction way back there. It ended up in a... But anyway, years later, three or four years ago, they, it was sold at an auction for $2.4 million because he played it once. I said, Joey, think about you up here praising the Lord. If he only did once, think of the value that he's placed on your life. See, we got this idea we got to do something big for God. No, you can take out the garbage and, 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 and be awesome in the presence of God. Why? Because he used you. Well, he used me once. Well, once is enough, hallelujah. When you're... No, but he wants you to know the value that you have because he's working with you. Hallelujah. Anyway, um, okay, let's go to Exodus 15. I'm trying to get to where Ashton was preaching, so. Because we're going to get a revelation through through the names that he called himself, you know. And in Exodus 15 and verse 26, He says, and if you are diligently hearken unto the voice. Again, I like the voice because I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about talking with communication is communication is not just talking. Communication is listening because he wants how many of you know he wants to talk to you? No, I said he wants to talk to you. He said, How how can I get through to you? He said, I'm wanting you to know that. You can hear my voice and the voice of a stranger you won't follow. But you have to attend your ear unto godly counsel. You have to tune in. Like right now, we could tune in. You know, we could what, the sounds that are going through this building, you could turn in some real honky country music, or you could turn in some rock. Like what I'm saying is when you turn your frequency to God, when you tune him in, he's always sending out a signal. Amen. Yeah. So where was I? Okay, yeah, verse. No, let's read verse 24 first. Because it says the people murmured against Moses. 
But see, they're planting seeds that will ultimately abort their future. They're murmuring against Moses, but they weren't upset with Moses. Moses was a physical representation of the one they were really upset with, with God. But when you start blaming people, you've already failed. Faith never puts on faith faith never puts pressure on your peace. So he says they murmured. No, but they were expo- they were expected to express their faith through a grateful and an obedient lifestyle. They they watched what he did to Pharaoh in Egypt, the miracles. And by the way, God didn't hate Pharaoh and he didn't hate the Egyptians. But even when he flooded the earth, the flood wasn't like because he wanted to wipe everybody out, like if you read it like that. The flood was sent because there were eight people left that could carry the seed that he promised in Genesis chapter 3. Eight people left. That's how his mercy is. Eight people. Matter of fact, uh, what was the guy's name? Methuselah. It was the longest living guy on the earth. And when he died, the flood came. But God kept him alive all that time. When they marched around Jericho, they did it six days, a type of 6,000 years before the shout came. Amen? Okay, so you with me with that? Okay. Now back in 26, he said, if, I hate that little word, don't you? (laughs) If you will hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight. Well, you know, you can't do one without the other. If you try to do what's right in his sight, that's religion. But if you hearken diligently on the voice of your God, that's reality. That's a relationship. He said, if you give ear to my commandments and keep my statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I allowed to come upon the Egyptians. For I am Jehovah Rapha. No, but again, remember that he's going to reveal his character through these names. So the first thing he wants you to know is he's your healer. I don't, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. It, it's like in Psalm 91, he, he wrote that no plague will come near your dwelling. And we all have had plagues come near our dwelling. He said, no, no, this is the weapon that you use when they come. He raised the word up against what's going on in, in, in your life. And you don't say, oh, I failed. You can't fail. He said, I will never fail you, never leave you, never forsake you. You're a winner as long as you're not a whiner. Come on. (laughs) Exodus 17. Now in Exodus 17, he's going to talk about Amalek. And Amalek uh, and the Amalekites, Amalek, if you do the numerical value like in the Hebrew language, it means doubt. So when he says you're going to fight Amalek your whole life, you're going to fight doubt your whole life. That's, that's what it's all about. Amalek, Amalek. So, but in verse 13, Joshua discomfited. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but see, can, how can you jump past all of this? Uh, look, at, look at this. Why is it important to, to praise the Lord? When Moses' hands were up, they were winning. When Moses' hands went down, they were losing. Don't you think that ought to speak to me? When my hands are up, when I'm praising God, I'm winning. If I drop them down, 
Lift up your hands that hang down in your feeble knees, Hebrews chapter 12 says. Lift up your hands. And think about it. The temple veil rent from bottom, from top to bottom. So that back then, the high priest could only come in once a year, twice. And when the, when the temple veil rent, he said, hey, y'all. Come on in. It's not restricted anymore. Come boldly onto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in a time of need. Come unto me when you're weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I'm meek and lowly and you're proud and, and upright. <laughs> no, but I mean, pride is the only real enemy. You know that, right? Pride was what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is what got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. Only by pride comes contention, Proverbs 13.10 says. So if, if I don't like what you did to me, and I swell up like that pigeon over at the park the other day. <laughs> no, no, don't, just look. If you just re release the love that he shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, you can have such a happy life even when things are going bad. Amen. Amen. So Joshua dis discomfited Amalek as long as Moses' hands were up and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and rehearse it in the years of Joshua. I will utterly put remember the remembrance of Amalek out of heaven. And he built an altar there and he called it Jehovah Nisi. Well, really, when you read it in the Hebrew, it's the word kisi, K-I-S-E-I, because the rest of the word was dropped off, because he's saying it'll be when it's fulfilled, when doubt is finally gone, I'll put the whole word together. But for right now, I know we call it a banner, but what he's saying is he's the Lord, your miracle. The Lord, your miracle. That's what it is. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, but the word was diminished. Thank you, Jesus. Where are we going to go now, Pastor? How about, how about, I still say this, that when his hands were up, it's when he was standing in faith. See, because when you, you can say, I'm just believing God, but you're walking around, you're tripping over your bottom lip. The, the truth is you're expressing what you believe. You know, your face doesn't lie. Oh, it does on Sunday, but it might not lie all that well on a Tuesday. <laughs> when there's nobody around. <laughs> he said he heard the murmuring in their tents. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Jehovah Nisi. What did you say, Pastor? Nancy? Yeah. How about Judges chapter 6? Story about Gideon. Gideon said, what do you mean, God? You're calling me a mighty man of valor. I'm from the smallest tribe, and I'm the least in the tribe. And if you really are who you say you are, where are the miracles? I don't see the miracles. And God said to him, See, we're crying out for God for miracles. He'll say the same thing to you that he said to Gideon. Go in this, thy might. In other words, you're waiting for somebody else to go do it. I called you to do it. Well, you don't know what i got going on in my life. Is there anybody here that doesn't have anything going on in their life? Could you just stand up? 
Well, you never know what I got going on. Maybe we should stop at Joshua chapter 6 on the way by. Because, no, there is something good there that I could have missed. It's interesting, too, that Joshua is not mentioned in Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. I'm saying all you said was what he did. By the faith, the walls of Jericho came down. And then I got to thinking, maybe that's all he needed to say about Joshua because he was so cool. He was, no, he was one of the coolest guys in the Bible. You have a hard time finding anything wrong with his life. Maybe it's chapter 5. It's when the angel showed up. Yeah, yeah, chapter 5. Happened on Nisan 17, the day that Jesus rose from the grave. It's interesting too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It came to pass in verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a man standing over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said, uh, are you with us or for our adversaries? And he basically said what the church says. We're not here to take sides. We're here to take over. Amen. He said, no, but I'm the captain. Look at this. I'm, I'm the captain of the Lord's host, I'm now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith the Lord to his servant? He said, I am the captain of the Lord's host. What he's saying there is, I'm, I'm the Lord of armies. I'm the Lord of angel armies. I, I, can, take, I can take care of you. We might have had an angel yesterday in our, in our lives. We... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done anything stupid, but but I'm not a stupid person, but sometimes I do stupid things. And yesterday, there was a fire extinguisher in our storage shed that I put in the back of the Jeep. And when I'm putting it in the back of the Jeep, I heard the Lord say, there's no pennant that that thing could go off. I drove around for an hour, just everything was good, and then all of a sudden I heard it roll. And the next thing, you, we couldn't even see inside the Jeep. It was just, no, I mean, it was like we had to go home and we vacuum ourselves off. Like the dust just, this green dust went everywhere. Nancy was able to get out her door because there was a guardrail there. I was stuck inside with my T-shirt pulled up on my head trying to breathe this stuff. And somebody was driving down another road and came running up over the side of the bank to help Nancy in the middle of it all, and I got thinking afterwards, that's a very strange thing, because the road we were on, I couldn't even get out of my car. If I had stepped out, I could have died. The traffic was... And uh, so, yeah, why am I telling you that? Because he's the, he's the captain of the Lord's army. I didn't tell you that for you, because think how stupid was Hooper. <laughs> Just in case you never do a dumb thing like that. Yeah. Hallelujah. It wasn't funny at the time. It wasn't funny. The Jeep, like that stuff goes everywhere, Justin. It's in the fabric and under the seats and in the carpets. And I mean, we cleaned it up. Nancy cleaned it up as best she could yesterday, trying to keep me calm during the process. <sighs> What's that? Is she talking about me over there? Mm. I passed the test. It just took me a few minutes. 
Judges, not, yeah, judges, where are you going, Gary? I'm back in the Jeep trying to see. <laughs> judges chapter 6, are you there? No. no. <laughs> what do you mean, you rebellious soul? <laughs> judges chapter 6, I just told you what it all says anyway, you know. He was arguing with God that he couldn't do anything. None of you have ever done that. God, could you please send buddy? And he said, yeah, here am I, and I'm sending you. <laughs> Lord, we need to get the city saved. Well, you know what? We're going to do it. It has to happen from us. A boldness, has to, a boldness of the Holy Ghost will come. And we're not going to say, Lord, what can you do for me anymore? We're going to say, Lord... What can we do for you? Because I know that in doing things for him, the things that I'm praying about get taken care of anyway, right? Amen? So, so I said Judges 6.24, I think. Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called the place Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. And when you, th when you go to Israel, it's a funny thing is when, they, when you say hello, you say Shalom. When you say goodbye, you say shalom. Peace is what you pray over yourselves all the time. Nothing missing, nothing broken, all the things that peace means. He said, we're going to call this place Jehovah Shalom. Mm. Hallelujah. How about Jeremiah 23? But again, Gideon, when you're looking on his life, I preached the message one time. A man of paste and flour, not faith and power, because he was hiding in a wine press, sifting wheat. And if you've ever been in a wine press, they're, 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 they're down under the ground because you don't, want the, the, you don't want it fermenting too quickly. So you have to build it in a cool place. Whereas with wheat, you want to sift it on a hill so that the wind can blow the chaff away and that the wheat will fall on the on the threshing floor, right? But he was so scared, he was hiding in in the basement, if you will. And every time the Gideon, every time the Midianites came, he'd run and hide. And yet God approached him and said, "Hey, Joanne, mighty woman of faith and power. Why? Because he calls you the way he sees you, not the way you see yourself. He speaks to your potential." You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. There's nothing that you can't do. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm not limited. The only limit I have, the only ceiling I have, is the one that I built over myself. So Jeremiah 23, verse 6. In those days Judah shall be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. And this is the name where you'll be called, the Lord our Righteousness, Jehovah, Sid Canoe. Hebrews fifty-four says that when you're established in right, when you're established in righteousness, when you get a hold of the fact that you're righteous, you'll be far from fear, far from terror, and far from oppression. They'll gather together, and but they won't be able to touch you. He said, "I made the smith that blows the coals for the fire. I made the devil that does his work. I can control him, but moreover, so can you." I placed all things under your feet. You're the body of Christ. All things are under your feet. 
No, we read that, we read that, we get so excited. Oh, he spoiled principalities and powers, made an open display of them over, triumphant and over and in. We love that in the book of Colossians. Then Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, it says that all things have been, that he is the head of all principality and power, and he is the head of all principality, power, and might, and dominion, not only in this world, but that which is to come. And he's placed all things under his feet, made, to be, made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And the fullness of him fills us all in all. So if all things are under his feet, then all things are under your feet. Yeah. Get on the way home if you have to. <laughs> the Lord, our righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. When I'm established in his righteousness, when I'm established in it, I'm far from fear, I'm far from terror, and I'm far from oppression. He said, they'll gather together, but they're not from me. They'll gather together against you, but they're not from me. And when you're established in righteousness, you'll run them off. You won't be in fear. Why? Because fear is, made, fear is cast out when love is, love is mature. <laughs> Hallelujah. One more verse over here in Ezekiel chapter 48, the last verse in the book of Ezekiel. Hezekiel, for you Hebrew people. I like Solomon. His name is Shlomo. <laughs> hey, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> This is when he was measuring out. There is an anointing flowing out from the throne of God. He said, up to your ankles and up to your knees, you're still in control. That's religion. But when you step out over your head and it, you go where the river goes, that's relationship. That's reality. Because anybody can walk in shallow water. But when you have to cross the Jordan River at flood stage, carrying the Ark of the Covenant made out of gold, the first step is going to take you to the bottom if God doesn't part the water. See, some of these guys, they did some powerful things in faith that, that we need to put ourselves in that situation and say, what will we really do? Oh, faith giants that we are. He said in verse 35, he said it was around 18,000 measures. The name of the city shall be, the name of the city shall be, the Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord. But you know, but why do I need to know that? Because he's always there. He didn't leave you. He didn't fail you. He didn't forsake you. He's in your house. He's knocking three times on the ceiling if you want him. He's always speaking. He's always got a word for you. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 6, because we talked about that earlier. And I need to show you this, because the Lord showed me this the other day. They said, show us how to pray. He said, okay, I'm going to give you a pattern. I'm going to get after this manner, after this pattern, pray. Start out with our Father. You mean I can call him Dad? You mean on the road to Emmaus, you can teach me how to call him dad? On the road to Emmaus, you're going to open up all the scriptures that were written about him and give me a revelation of the fact that he's my father and that he'll never leave? 
that he's my dad? He said, our Father in, who art in heaven, holy is your name. What name? All the names we just read. All the names that we just read. He said, I want you to remember that. He said, then he said, he said, when you remember those names, he said, you can say, thy kingdom come. Where? In earth as it is in heaven. How does he want to treat me? Like I'm already there with him. How does he want to treat you like you're already there with him? He's your father. He said, first of all, get a revelation of the fact that I'm your father. Then read 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John 15. God is love. Everything that he did, Old Testament, everything that he did, New Testament, operated in love. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For the Lord was, why? Because the father was with him. He said, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.